She said, what? She said, what? What did Hillary say? Have a massive legal operation. I know the Biden campaign is working on that. We have to have poll workers, and I urge people who are able to uh, be a poll worker. We have to have our own uh, teams of people to counter the the force of intimidation Listen that the that. Republicans and Trump are going to put outside polling places. Oh, yeah, sure. This is a big organizational challenge, but at least we know more about what they're going to do. Well, and, you know, Joe Biden yeah, should... Yeah, we know what they're going to do, too, don't we? Hillary Clinton still hasn't conceded the first election, and she's the one that said she could not believe that Donald Trump would not accept the results of the election immediately without some kind of vetting. She couldn't believe that he would do such an unconstitutional thing when in reality it turned out she was exactly the one that had, hasn't done it yet four years later, and she's already getting ready and prepping everybody else to not concede or receive the results of this election. Just listen to this. Not concede under any circumstances because I think this is going to drag out and eventually I do believe he will win if we don't give an inch. In other words, if we cheat now all the way up to the election and after the election, we might be able to win. Yeah, they might be able to win. I, I want to talk to you for just a little bit about um, the things that are going on leading up to the election. Now, this is spiritual warfare, folks. It's not just any other election, and I'm not saying it's never been spiritual warfare in the past, but we are at the end of the age. I'm not talking about tonight or next week or whatever. We're down toward the end of this last dispensation or this last age and we're going to have to accept the fact that we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. Now, it's manifesting in the faces of flesh and blood, but what we're wrestling against is something that's going on behind the scenes, and then it's in your face. It's in your face, just like the masks are in your face. Now, look, look at this. Look at this with me. Hillary, who failed last time, is acting like she's running this time. And she's trying to use her experience and her feelings uh, to prep everybody else to feel the same way. But that, that's not the only thing that's being said. She's not the only one that said things that are unbelievable. We've already talked about the mail-in voting, the mass mail-in voting, and how much of a setup that is for fraud. Talk, hanging chags was nothing compared. Hanging chads was nothing compared to what can occur with the fallout of mass mail-in voting. But we won't go there this particular episode. We've already talked about that. Then there's the ID. No, no, don't call for an ID. That makes it too hard to vote, you know, which is ridiculous because you have to have an ID for everything you do. And yet we don't want an ID for voting. Why? What is the only reason why? so that you can allow people to vote that maybe are not qualified to vote. Uh, maybe they're illegal. Maybe they're dead. Maybe they're not even alive anymore. They're still on the roll. They moved to another state. And so you can glean or garner some extra votes in that way. So what did Michelle Obama say? She said, 
believe me, it can and it will get worse. Now, she was talking about um, Donald Trump and his particular method or his ways or what he would do because they want to blame everything on him that is bad, which in reality, you could make a strong case that they have done it all themselves. But that should not be a surprise because this is a tactic. This is a tactic that Karl Marx, and these are Marxist. Don't doubt me. These are Marxists. Karl Marx said, accuse your enemy of what you are doing. Ha <laughs> ha, gotcha. Karl Marx said, accuse your enemy of what you are doing, comma, as you are doing it to create confusion. This is exactly what's happening. It's why those that accuse you of hating are the ones that actually hate. The ones you, that accuse you of bigotry are the ones that are actually the bigots. The ones that accuse you of racism are the ones that are actually the racist. The ones that accuse you of violence are the ones that are actually violent. It's pretty much everything they accuse you of is what they are guilty of and Karl Marx said to do that. That is a tenet of Marxism. So next time you see that and it makes you scratch your head, well, looks to me like you're the one that's the most intolerant. Well, now you know that's a tactic of Marxism. Now, let me share something else with you because, you know, since this is the prophetic angle, I want to have some biblical perspective here. And I think the things I'm saying are interlaced with principles from the Bible. But even better than that, let me give you a scripture. I'd like to give some scriptures, even though we're talking about a lot about politics leading up to the election. And I'm not going to hold back on this particular forum. I'm going to share with you a principled and balanced view of what's coming down the pike. And a lot of it you can see, but you need someone to articulate it or remind you or agree with you or to show you that, you know what? You have a biblical platform or principle to stand upon. Now, this is what the Bible says in Matthew 12 and verse 34. Now, this is Jesus speaking. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. Now that makes, that makes a lot of sense. And in verse 33, before that he said, either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. Its fruit. Okay. So, you know, you can learn a lot by listening to what Jesus said. He wasn't trying to be politically correct here. You know, uh, Michelle Obama said, it can't get worse and it will get worse. That's where I took a rabbit trail just a little bit ago. But let me share something that Barack Obama said. Now, this was all during the Democratic Convention, and I'm not gonna go into every speech and analyze it or extract uh, sound bites or certain things said from them, but some of these premier, key, primary, preeminent people, Michelle, Barack Obama, 
and Hillary have said things. Joe is just going to say what they put on the teleprompter. Uh, I, I Actually, I feel kind of sorry for him because of the situation that appears to be developing with his mind. But they're using him. And But you know what? Jill and Joe are allowing it to happen and the family. So they're fair game because they're running for apparently running for president of the United States. And so they're fair game. So Barack Obama's speech. Now, Barack Obama is a talented politician. He's a skilled orator. Um, he has a manner in which he can speak and, and say things that sound good. But if you look at it really close, you can see not only the discrepancies, but the glaring misconceptions and deceptions. So I'm just going through here, and I underlined a few things I wanted to draw from the uh, speech. Of course, he's bashing Donald Trump, which is, by the way, unprecedented for this to happen with a president, a past president that's alive, to speak of their predecessor in this manner, in this way. George Bush didn't do it about Barack Obama, but now Barack Obama's doing it about Donald Trump. Amazing. And George Bush, you know, he was, he was uh, sent down the road verbally by Barack Obama. So now Barack Obama's doing the same thing that he's pretty much always done, even though he's not in office. Or is he? I mean, who actually would be the president of Joe One? Would it be Kamala? Would it be Nancy Pelosi? Or would it be Barack Obama? Or would it be a, a group of people, you know, an oligarchy? <laughs> Look here, no interest in using the awesome power of his office, Barack Obama says, to help anyone but himself and his friends. Oh, is that true? Well, he only takes a dollar a year to be the president of the United States for all the flack that he's getting from the Democratic Party and the news media. No interest in treating the presidency as anything but one more reality show that he can use to get the attention he craves. Okay, fine. If you're watching any of this week's convention, you're getting to see how America really works and how government can really help people by doing what it's supposed to do, no more and no less. But as I scan down through the speech that former President Obama gave, he says they believe that in a democracy, and he uses the word democracy all the time, that's okay, we are a democracy, but we're not only a democracy, we're a republic. We're a democratic republic. I don't think I saw one time in this speech, it's quite lengthy, uh, but I don't think I saw the word republic one time. They believe that in a democracy, the right to vote is sacred, and we should be making it easier. He's talking now about Kamala and Joe. They believe that voting is sacred. Okay, it is. And we should be making it easier for people to cast their ballots, not harder. So one of the things that is being done to set up this election, and it has been done for other elections in the past, but even more with this election, is the emphasis on the fairness of voting. But bringing into that a convoluted approach and thought process whereby you can mail in a vote or you don't have to have an ID to vote. In other words, that's what they mean by making it easier. In other words, 
We don't know who's going to vote. We don't know who did vote. And we don't know and maybe never would know if the count was anywhere near accurate if we go in this mass mail-in voting direction. So this is something that's very critical. But this is what they're using uh, several months ahead of time to kind of get ahead in their game and their strategy. Okay. They believe that no one, including the president, is above the law. See? And that no public official, including the president, should use their office to enrich themselves or their supporters. I've already said, if anybody enriched themselves, it was Barack and Michelle Obama and some of the other presidents because of all the books and the speeches and everything they give after the fact and the amount of money they draw in from um, those means as well as others. And yet Trump already was rich. Nobody questions that. But he's not using the presidency to enrich himself at all. That's a false accusation. They understand that in, a, in this democracy, the commander-in-chief does not use the men and women of our military who are willing to risk everything to protect our nation as political props to deploy against peaceful protesters on our soil. Okay, I've had enough. I'm going to tell you, I could talk about the first part about uh, the commander-in-chief using the military, you know, in, let's see, they understand in this democracy, the commander-in-chief does not use the men and women of our military who are willing to risk everything to protect our nation as political props. So they are accusing him of placing military personnel in compromising policy positions or in public appearances in order to gain votes or to look more prone to support the military. And I suppose both sides could use that accusation from time to time. That, that's a false accusation. But the thing that really annoys me about this is the rest of this um, sentence to deploy against peaceful protesters on our soil. Are you kidding me? Anybody watching the news right now knows that if somebody doesn't get a hold of what's going on in some of these cities, there won't be anything left. There won't be anything left in some of these cities. These aren't peaceful protesters. There may be peaceful protesters, but and, and you could say, well, it's just a few people. Yeah, it's just a few relative to the total population, but it's still plenty of people that are causing problems, and, and a lot of them are being shipped in and paid. They're being shipped in and paid, and some of them, believe it or not, are college students that have plenty of money. I wonder what would happen if something happened to their home. I wonder what would happen if it was around their business, you know, that they're accustomed to going to and frequenting. I wonder how they'd feel then. But no, they'll go somewhere else, another neighborhood, and even hypocritically destroy the area of the people they claim that they're protesting for. It's terrible. It, it's just unbelievable. But now they're accusing, Barack Obama is accusing the current president of deploying the military against peaceful protesters. Ridiculous. I don't have to belabor that. They understand that political opponents aren't, aren't un-American, un but Nancy Pelosi just got through saying that the enemies of the state are over there in the White House and all that are supporters of them. 
you know, I think she was mainly talking about the Republican senators and the cabinet. But Nancy Pelosi is unhinged right now. Oh, don't get me started on Nancy Pelosi. That our ability to work together to solve big problems like a pandemic depend on a fidelity to facts and science. Oh yeah, Barack Obama's really concerned about science because he's the one that pushed the gender confusion down into the elementary schools, facilitated it, pushed it, even started out by being interviewed by Rick Warren and said he believed that marriage was between one man and one woman. That was prior to his first election. And then we know what happened there because we know about the Supreme Court and Barack Obama switching sides as far as what he believed about traditional marriage. And then to take it a step further, gender confusion. You know, there's no uh, binary gender. In other words, male and female, two different sexes. But it's everything in between and back and forth. So that it could be as many as 50 or more different persuasions. So one politician was asked, how many genders are there? And he said, well, at least three. Wow. And so this is the Barack Obama who's talking about science, talking about climate change. Well, they're really concerned about climate change, burning all the tires and the police cars and the buildings and sending all that toxic smoke and fumes up into the air for people to breathe. Oh, they're really concerned about climate change. That's, that, that's a real concern right there. You can tell they really believe in the science. And besides that, don't even get me started on whether or not a mask works or which mask works or this, all these different draconian uh, rules pertaining to this coronavirus. You know, I've got all my qualifications in other episodes. If you want to get mad at me, get mad, then get sad, then... Don't be bad and get glad, all right? Let me move on. I'm still in Barack Obama's speech, and I'm talking about out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. But sometimes people can say things in ways that are very deceptive, very misleading. They know, Barack Obama says, they can't win you over with their policies. Are you kidding me? The list of, of Donald Trump's accomplishments in spite of all the assaults and the attacks for the first three, three and a half years is, let's just say, scores of things. Most of the things we don't know about, because frankly, most of us haven't paid that much attention to government and all the details uh, that help people over there or, or over there in, in the east, the west, the north, the south. We, we basically, as long as we're happy, you know, most of us, we are only aware of a minimal amount of policies. But that's exactly what is going on here. There's plenty of policies, and it's being outlined this week in the RNC that the Republican Party and Donald Trump have set forward and have put in motion and have implemented, whereas the Democrats, their main policy is anti-Trump policy. Whatever it is to attack Trump, whatever it is they can do to defeat him, whatever it is they can do to get him out of office, that's their policy. Okay. Maybe a little bit of a hyperbole, but not by much. They know they can't win you over with policies, Barack Obama says, so they're hoping to make it as hard as possible for you to vote. So he said this, I don't know how many times, 
during his speech. Again, talking about the mail-in voting. And they're already accusing the post office of moving these blue deposit boxes, which has been done for years for various reasons when they're not used much. And making that, attaching that to Donald Trump is being proactive to keep you from voting. So he's moving your drop box. I tell you, you can't make this stuff up. And then Barack Obama says, that is how they win. That is how they get to keep making decisions that affect your life and the lives of the people you love. In other words, again, Karl Marx's recommendation of accuse the others of doing what you're doing to create confusion while you do it is in motion operating on all eight cylinders. And then he says something that underscores what I've already said. Make a plan right now for how you are going to get out Get involved and vote. Now, I don't think there's anything wrong with that sentence. But in the context of everything I've said, make a plan right now for how you're going to get involved and vote. And, and both sides should be getting, you know, trying to get their constituencies out to vote. I get it. But we know what that means. We're talking about uh, the mail-in voting and trying to keep it in the minds of the people that this this, uh, the questions with mail-in voting and ID and all this is going to be controversial because we're going to make it controversial before it even happens. Do it as early as you can. In other words, vote. And this is what Michelle Obama said. Vote now. <laughs> Don't wait for the debates. Don't wait for Donald Trump and Joe Biden to, de to debate. That is if they even ever do. Because, you know, you might change your mind. Don't wait for the conventions to be over. Don't wait for the RNC convention to be over this week because, hey, you might change your mind. Vote now. Do your absentee voting now. Make plans to vote right now before you change your mind, before Joe says something else that's even worse than what he's already said, before Kamala says something that incriminates her or puts her uh, in a position where people say, you know what, I can't, I can't vote for her. Vote now, he says. That's what he says right here. And so do it as early as you can and tell your family and friends how they can vote too. So let me conclude with this. Barack Obama gets near the end of his speech and he says, you're the missing ingredient, the ones who will decide whether or not America becomes a country that fully lives up to its creed. Right there, he grabs a piece of Martin Luther King's speech, which, you know, he, he wouldn't belong on the same stage. A lot of people that try to uh, use what Martin Luther King said only pick the parts they want because he said to judge a person by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. Okay, so I don't want to chase that rabbit right now, but that's the way we should be assessing and judging one another, not by the color of our skin, but the content of our character. So he says that, and then he says, that work will continue long after this election, but any chance... And this is where the warning that was underscored time and time and time and time again last week. And there's warnings this week, I'll tell you. Because 
The fact of the matter is, if we let Marxism be the rule in this country, and I'm not even talking about Karl Marx's Marxism altogether, but the basic idea of Marxism that has been changed into cultural Marxism and identity Marxism become the rule of this country, we are in trouble. That's from our side. But from his side, Barack Obama says, from the Democratic Party side, any chance of success depends entirely on the outcome of this election. Entirely. This administration has shown it will tear our democracy down if that's what it takes for them to win. Wow. So as I conclude, once again, we see the exact tactic that Karl Marx said to use to accuse your enemy of what you are doing as you are doing it to create confusion. And I could go on and on again to belabor the point, but Sololinsky picked this up and I'm actually looking at a quote here from Sololinsky said, I'd organize hell. <laughs> I'd organize hell. Well, I, that's opening up a can of worms. And we know that you could make a good case that Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama and Kamala Harris have at least a respect, if not their followers of, of Saul Alinsky, thus Karl Marx, if not at least a respect for them. And the fact that they're not speaking out against the violence and Antifa and uh, BML Inc. This just tells you pretty much all you need to know. So I'm going to come to a conclusion here with this particular episode. And I haven't spoken in a few days. By reading a part of the homily that Jesus was giving in Matthew 12. That's prior to what I already read earlier in this episode because they accused Jesus of casting out demons by Beelzebub, by Beelzebub. Wow. Can this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, it is only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this man casts out demons. Knowing their thoughts, he said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and no city or house divided against itself will stand. And if Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? So Jesus is turning this around on them. <laughs> They were accusing Jesus of what they were guilty of. So they kind of had this tactic in place before Karl Marx came along. Therefore, they will be your judges, your sons, Jesus said. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can someone enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man? Then indeed he may plunder his house. Now listen, whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. That's why I think it's important for us to understand. I, I could uh, 
do an exegesis on this whole passage here, but I think it's important for us to understand that it's not at the point any longer where we can say, well, I'm just not going to have anything to do with politics, and I'm not going to take a side. No, you're going to have to take a side. And if you don't, you automatically do. So you might as well decide which side you're going to take. So he says, if you're with me, uh, you're, if you're not with me, you're against me. And whoever is, does not gather with me scatters. Okay. And then he goes on, talks about the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, which, of course, would bring up a whole nother topic, a whole nother judgment. Uh, last thing, an evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. So, you know, they said, well, you know, prove that you're Jesus, do something big. He said, hey, just wait around till my death, burial, and resurrection. But he did say, the queen of the south will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Behold, something greater than Solomon is here. So, you know, the Lord basically wants us to come to grips with the biblical precepts that we've always believed and look at the candidates running and see which candidate most closely aligns themselves with those precepts or at least makes it possible for us to live within the parameters of those precepts and to implement those principles in our life for God's glory. Well, this was longer today than the rest of the episodes have been. I want the Lord to bless you. Come back and listen to the prophetic angle again. God bless.